0: To the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte Area Podcast, Lincoln Entrepreneurs, Investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, really excited to welcome back Maggie Williams. Meggie is, as you all know, the founder of Skiptown, founder and CEO of Skiptown. Last time we had Maggie on the show was Pre-pandemic, so we wanted to bring her back on board. Talk a little bit about how the business has pivoted since 2019. Really, um, how the capital raise process for them was. They raised another 28 million dollars in um, in November of 2022. Wanted to talk a little bit about um, how becoming a mother has impacted her as a founder and and CEO, and and then. Um, really kind of towards the end, just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the role that she is assuming as far as being a leader within the startup community. So really good topics. We got to explore a couple of different things. We're even able to, as a result of talking about the pandemic, we were talking about one of the original and still core values of the company um, of riding the scooter in the rain. Um, which I thought was a great story back when we did our original podcast and still think it's a phenomenal story today. So it you know continues to highlight who she is and who the company is. And the, that theme of, of, of it rolls through this entire podcast, even though we only touch on it briefly. So I hope you enjoy another phenomenal episode with Maggie on um on skip town and and how it continues to evolve and grow and where it's heading from here so enjoy today's episode maggie welcome to the podcast super excited to have you back joining us today
1: it's great to be here
0: so um it's been um it's been a hot minute since the last time you and i sat down and talked life changed a little bit huh
1: it has many years
0: Many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you look great still. I've lost a lot of hair and got a lot more grayer. So, anyways, some things change for or things change for some of us, but not for all of us. I've
1: always said that uh, you know, my 30s and 40s are gonna be my best years. So I'm I'm still I'm still living them.
0: So um I'm gonna go against you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a quick story and then we're gonna jump into your podcast. We did a um a meeting with a client where we recorded him. He was going through some health struggles years ago. And he was in his late sixties and I asked him a question. I said, you know, what was your what was your best decade? Um and he sat back and he he thought about it. And he he thought about it for, you know, 30 or 45 seconds. And he came back to him and he said, This one. Um and I said, Why do you say that? He's like, Well, if I didn't say this one, then what's the point of still being here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a great perspective, right? So every year's your best year. Um, so next After year's gonna me, be your I best year too. That. I've certainly felt that so um so let's talk about skip town so um last time we sat down and talked I, I think I showed you um I still have my skipper um, bottle opener um so skip um, so the business has changed a little bit um over the years part of it's just as a result of um, smart pivots and whatnot and a little bit of it's a result of the pandemic that we went through in 2020 um so let's Kind of jump straight to twenty twenty and and talk a little bit about how the business has had to evolve um and how the business has evolved since that point in time.
1: Sure. Um, so prior to the pandemic, we were predominantly a tech enabled dog walking business. Um we started the company under the name of the Waggle Company.. Um, and then rebranded to Skipper. And uh, at the time we were, we were doing over about 230 walks a day. Um, And, you know, prior to the pandemic, we really started to understand what our, our clients were looking for and needing. And we were already starting to make a shift and a pivot toward what we would ultimately become, which is, Skip Town as we know it today, the full ecosystem for dogs and people. But way before that, um, we started to learn and understand that our our clients, uh, the majority of them, live in apartments. They you know aren't married. They don't have kids. Their dogs are their kids, and they were struggling to find pet care. That really catered to their lifestyle. And we stumbled upon this, being a dog walking company, working with a lot of our clients who lived in apartments, working with those apartments, and really understanding the needs both of the apartments and and of the of our clients. And we were one of the first companies, I think the first company, to start building on-site pet care facilities inside of multifamily communities, apartment communities to serve. Their dog parent residents, and um, by really focusing our efforts and and um, abilities and supporting the tech to be able to uh, enable services for our apartment clients to um, in, in change our staffing and our and our processes to support these, you know, in apartment facility models, we really had a light bulb moment that was okay. We're doing dog walking. We're, we're really owning a niche here. There's a lot more impact we can have for pets and people. And that was our first foray into into getting involved in the whole suite of pet services. And after we built four of those in-apartment facilities, we realized that we could be um, we could be having more of an impact in our own freestanding location. And that's when I went and started looking for the first Skip Town. And this was in June of 2019. So we signed our lease in December of 2019, three months before the NBA was canceled. And I think about the, the timing of that a lot. Because, as you can imagine, bringing my board into a conversation of, hey, so we're a dog walking company, but we're going to expand to a bar and a full pet care model, and here's why. And I mean, I'd say lucky for me, maybe it's not just luck, we've always had and have been able to pull together partners who when needed are the kind of support that we need to have to be able to move the business forward in a positive way. And this was no exception. And so the board at the time heard me out, you know, it was a lot of individual conversations back and forth, a lot of vetting of this, but ultimately stamped it and said, okay, like we're going to do this. And then we signed the lease um, in in December. Uh, I remember we were going to our office holiday party Right after I went to the attorney's office to, to sign, sign the documents. And then I said, okay, well, let me pull the, you know, I had, I had to raise some funding, you know, quite a lot of funding to support the build out. And I was, you know, already doing that. And I had all of it committed. And I'd say a week before we closed on that funding was when the NBA was canceled and then the whole world. Fell apart, and I—I I was in California at the time. I was at a conference, and I got a call. I got multiple calls from I think half of the investors that I had secured funding from had committed funding from but hadn't closed. Who, you know, said, "Meggie, I'm sorry, but you know the world just changed, and you know there, we're we're not investing." Um, and I lost over half of the funding for Skip Town in two hours. So I took a red eye back to Charlotte. I remember texting my leadership team um, before I got on the plane. And I said, whenever you see this, you can come into the office because <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a conversation. <laughs> and I think everybody was in the office by like 6 30. We were all sitting, I, you know, it was at Huga at uh, the time we were co working at Huga. We were all sitting in a room. And I remember just saying, guys, whatever we were yesterday, we are not today. The world is different. And we need to figure out who we are and what we're going to do and how we're going to come out of this and what our our pet parents and what our pets are going to need from us. And that was the beginning of a very rapid shift in mindset. I talk about this before but going from a peacetime scenario to a wartime scenario going from a playing to win to a playing not to lose and i mean the credit and and all the kudos to the team for really rallying around um doing what needed to be done to be able to move forward and i mean it hurt we saw we saw 95 percent of our revenue disappear in a week um we, we were predominantly doing dog walking. You know, everybody was working from home. You weren't in a, people weren't letting people into their homes. So dog walking really didn't flatlined almost immediately. We reduced the team by 90% by letting go of 70 of our team members. Um, all of our, our dog walkers are our, our employees. Um, So part-time, part-time employees. We furloughed a third of our back office staff, we reduced compensation for everyone else on our back office team. I stopped taking a salary altogether. And it was was measures like that. It was quick, decisive steps that allowed us to be able to reduce our typical net burn, reassess, refocus, identify kind of what the critical path work was, and then go straight toward that. And then, you know, obviously we had a signed lease and we were all gearing up and and focused on how we're going to launch Skip Town. And I I raised the funding back. I mean, a couple, you know, two months later, I had all the funding re-raised and we opened on time. And um, yeah, and then, you know, coming out of COVID or going through COVID, we were very sensitive to making sure we were, offering a space that was safe. And because we have so much for footage, a lot of our experiences outside, we found that um, we were able to really accommodate people's needs for safety. And, um, you know, everybody got dogs in the pandemic. So we were dealing with with a different challenge on the outs, you know, in the beginning. And then, you know, coming out of COVID, it was, you know, it, it was a very different world. And I think at the end of the day, you know, if I look back on it, I think it's it was just about being such an active listener and participant in the in understanding what was happening in the world and around us. We have this um, we have a core value called head to weather, and it's really it, uh, about being aware of the conditions around you and using that as a as a a, a way to redirect and course correct when needed and. We used to say that all the time about how we were heading to weather, um, and understanding kind of what the macro environment was, was doing and how we were going to respond. And then ultimately how we were going to stay true to our mission, um, making it easier and even more fun for dogs and their people to live their best lives and how we were going to do that in this new way to support this, you know, whatever, whatever the new world looked like. And, um, you know, we got, we got through it and, um, and now we're here today and we have, um very ambitious plans to expand Skip Town across the country and be the first and best nationally recognized brand in the space.
0: Maggie, in our, our last conversation, which again, was seems like eons ago, <clears throat> one of your core values of the company, and I don't know if it's one of the core values, still of the company or not, um, reverted back to your early days um, with the business, and it was singing in the rain. Um, and you told a story of you riding your scooter in uptown and it was raining. And, um, so while, while getting ready for this podcast, I kind of fell back on that. And I was like, I wonder how much singing in the rain was going on during the early days of the pandemic.
1: <laughs> um, yes. ride the scooter in the rain was what is one of the core values and it, it harkens back to early dog walking days when my husband and I shared a car. And so I would ride a scooter to our dog walking appointments. And then sometimes when it would rain, I would get caught in the rain. I remember driving, you know, driving around being like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? I'm like in the rain. And it's just, you know, it's not an ideal scenario, but, but I did it. And the idea is, is that, you know, you've got to be scrappy, you've got to be resourceful and you have to do whatever it takes. And you're right. We, we did call upon that value quite often of you know we have to be scrappy we be resourceful we do what it takes i mean i think that's that's been the dna and the mentality of the company since we started it's why you know my entire back office team was willing to take salary reduction um luckily or not luckily it, we paid it back in full and i'm very proud of that and, and pretty quickly but there wasn't even a hesitation you know when this was all going down that you know the team was going to just you know really make sacrifices in order to make sure that, you know, we could, we could continue the mission we were on and building what we were building. And I, I think that's really, you know, I, I think that says a lot about, you know, who, the, who this team is and who we are and, and the people this company is made of. Um, it's everything.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, every now and again, i wish that we did videos and then I see myself on the right and you on the left. And I guess we should do a video with our guests, but not with me, Mm -hmm. but, um, your background is, a is an awesome background, right? It's, um, the background is, is skip town in Charlotte. Um, and you see, you know, the dogs and their people and everybody's clearly having a great time. Um, it's the impact that you're having on, the owners as well as their pets is pretty clear. So um, how, um, how did the kind of the design and flow and feel um, come, like how much time did y'all have to spend on, on that aspect to make it really deliver that, that value to both, right? The people as well as the dogs
1: yeah, so so much. And we continue to continue to iterate on you know the the layout and the space and the the flow and how people experience the building and the and the outside and and where is the bar relative to where you're going to be spending your time, whether it's raining or it's nice out. I mean, all of these things are a, a, a critical part of how we think about the Skiptown Town experience. Um, and I, you know, what we've built from the physical structure and the you know the materials and the finishes that make it what it is and the investment in the the experience both for the dogs and for the people is our brand and is ultimately delivering the experience that we seek to deliver which is a peace of mind for dogs and people. When you walk in, you know, not only is your dog ecstatic hang, playing with their friends, so excited to be there, but like you are too. And in, a, in, this, in the world, it's hard to find that. It's hard to find places that accommodate dogs and people in the same way, where they both, both are, can deliver joy. And that's been our mission is to take care of the dogs and then to take care of their people at the same time. And I think it's just been a lot of paying attention to the small stuff from, you know, where the water bowls and how you trench the irrigation systems that run under the turf to clean and cool it, to the undulations in the park and where the dogs are going to gather and how people should sit so that they can best experience the dogs playing while also feeling relaxed and stress-free. And it's funny because I walk around and some of the things I always look for when I'm there, I love to see when, um, you know, when our, when our human clients are engaged in a conversation with somebody, or, you know, they come early and they're working on their laptop or whatever they're doing. They're not anxiously looking up being like, where's my dog? Or is my dog okay? Because they know their dog's okay. We have our skippers walking around monitoring the space, making sure that dogs are playing well, picking up after the dogs. And there's just this sense of relief and, and, um, Relaxation that you don't typically get when you're out with your dog in public because you're just trying to make sure everybody's okay, your dog's okay, everything else is okay, and you don't have to have that feeling at Skip Town. And I think it's hard to really, it's hard to quantify that, but I, I think that's a big part of what we sell is that peace of mind.
0: So you've you've built it as a model here in Charlotte. Um, you've um you've gone out and raised capital to expand that model into different markets around the country. Um a let's focus on capital for a second because um Charlotte loves to talk about capital. Um the how difficult was it to and I know the 2020 round in the midst of the pandemic um after you lost um, lost happier investors was difficult. How difficult was it the next go round to say, hey, look, we've got Skip Town. We want to expand it. Um, we need plenty of capital to make that expansion successful. So, this mm-hmm. latest round that you've recently closed on, how difficult was it to find the right investors that were willing to commit the capital that you wanted and needed to do it successfully?
1: I, I mean, I, I would say it's, it's never easy. <laughs> um
0: but you've I been had, successful, right? I mean, this yeah. um that's almost depressing for, you know, a I don't want to say a younger founder, um, a founder with less tenure than you to hear that it's never easy. Um, but it's not, right?
1: Well, oftentimes, you know, nothing that's ever worth it is easy. Yeah. And there is a, a sense of a big a sense of accomplishment and um you, know, you kind of have you got you have to put the time in. you've got to, you've gotta do the due diligence to to find the right partners. And I mentioned this earlier, but it's 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 always been very important to me to partner with like-minded people, um, partner with good people, smart people, um, people with integrity. So we take our same core values and I apply them to any kind of external partners we bring into this, whether it's vendors we work with or um, or investors or board members. And I have the same really rigorous standards that I do with my team, um, with you know these these other partners. So finding people that weren't just going to deliver capital, but were going to deliver the kind of insight and um, support and value add that was would help us really bring this company to the mission to fruition and to really bring the business forward. That took a lot of time and a lot of uh, conversations and pushing really hard to to connect dots. And I mean, we I could not be more excited and more grateful for where we ended up and who we've pulled into this. One of the most exciting things about embarking on this future, where we are, Going out to impact the lives of pets and their people across the country and make it easier and even more fun for them to live their best lives is doing it with such a first in class group of people who are not only great people at their core, but also lend a lot of strategic value to what we're doing. And it is tricky. To define what we are, (laughs) we live in this weird intersection of, you know, we're not retail, but we have brick and mortar. We're not, we have tech, but we don't sell our tech. We're not SaaS. We're very tech enabled. We have a very robust tech team, very robust tech platform that is built, supported, and driven by our product and our tech teams. Um, We kind of consider ourselves hospitality. We are an experiential. Services model and finding people who get that and who understand how your product roadmap needs to change because you're building enterprise-wide software systems that support integrating services, you know, for your ecosystem model that delivers on you know more than five different service lines is a is a unique challenge that I that. Has never been easy to to kind of find people who've played in this pond, and we did. Um, we have uh, a rock star lineup. Um, one of them was the former chairman and CEO of David Busters. Um, another one of the investors has a a long history in uh, grocery store retail. We have um, a collection of people who are um, just in incredibly value add to this business. And I could not be more excited to be partnered with them, you know, and, and, and to bring skip town to the rest of the country.
0: Was it more you finding them, Maggie, or was it them finding you or, um, how, um, right. Like, how does, how does that, how does it happen for you over the, for this race? Right. I mean, cause you are correct knowing who's behind the capital. Um, it's, it's awesome to see the talent that you can tap into. It's almost, um, it's almost unfair, right? I mean, you've got just great resources and capital that you can tap into. Um, and I say unfair in a great way. Um, so, um, but that, I mean, um, again, and we've talked about it before and, and you know, this, your, um, your drive is awesome. So, you almost got to think Maggie made it happen, but sometimes luck helps along the way too, right? And I know we make our own luck as well, but so did you push for the, did you push until you found them or did they fall into your lap or how did the perfect capital sources come to to Skip Town?
1: Well, I was pushing in a lot of directions and um, what ended up happening is the initial connection was made by a client who, um, you know, was, is, just, very obsessed with Skip Town and uh cold messaged me on LinkedIn and was an investor in her prior back, you know, her prior background. And so we had coffee and you know, got to know each other and then had another coffee and eventually um got together for dinner with our spouses. And it was through that connection and relationship that I got introduced to the lead investor um of our round and then the rest of that you know was history we I got connected to the to our investor we you know had some great early conversations there was clearly um synergies there you know we were building what they were looking to help support and well, then they kind of opened up their network and found um the other investors that came in to kind of create this, this epic team. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny looking back on it. It's like, I would never would have thought a, you know, a cold message from LinkedIn would have led to, you know, a $28 million fundraising, round, <laughs> but it did. And, you know, at the same time, I was, you know, pursuing all of these other leads and having all these other conversations. And it's, you know, obviously it was, it's, a, it, to some extent, it's a game of volume, but I mean, yeah, that's how it, it, it that's, that's the, how it ended up is we, it started as a, as a connection from a client who reached out to me, excited about Skiptown and wanting to meet in person.
0: So, how did that come together? So you already looking to raise it around um, when when it happened and and then you know you get together, you have coffee. Um, and then how quickly did the once the connection was made to the lead investor, how mm-hmm. quickly was the deal able to come together from y'all's perspective?
1: yeah. so we um we' i mean if you if you if you look at it we haven't raised or really put into place an expansion strategy and, and started to work through that for years. And we launched in 2020 and it's now 2023. And that was very intentional. That was a decision we made to say, we want to incubate this. We want to make sure we know what we're doing. We want to really understand what we're bringing to market. We want to understand how the next Skip Town is going to be different from and this one and why. And so we've taken our time and we've taken our time on all fronts signing leases for expansion we've taken our time on finding partners for a fundraise we have had lots of conversations and we you know that's always been that is my one of my core responsibilities as the CEO of this company is to ensure that we have capital in the bank and so there's always been you know a, a push to and making these relationships and and and, and talking to, to potential future investor partners but it wasn't until um, you know early of 2022 that the it was decided that, that I decided, okay, this is the time that we want to we wanna start pushing this. And I gave myself a year. Um I just had I had my daughter in February. And then by April, I was taking calls, um, initial calls to to start to really get the ball rolling. And, and we were connected with our lead you know, by, you know, in the summer. And then we had, you know, we were, we had, you know, had terms negotiated with them and then we were finding other key investors through the summer and fall. And then we closed, we closed late fall of of last year. So, I mean, from the time that I started having active conversations in April to when we closed in November, that was the that was the time frame it took
0: um, the um, so the capital raise process um a twenty eight million dollars that's awesome congratulations. I think I've said that privately, but publicly it'll be good to have out there again. Um, you know you've got a mission to go expand this to to multiple cities, right? and so but now all of a sudden, you've got you know an additional set of investors um mm-hmm. What's the what's their input into the process? Right? Do they, knowing that you've got some of the folks that you do on board, and you say, Mm -hmm. "I want to go to Anchorage, Alaska," and they say, "Well, that's great that you want to go to Anchorage, Alaska," but that's probably not your best next location, right? So, how do you how do you work with the new set of investors that don't know Maggie as well as your um, previous set of investors do? Right? How's that relationship evolving over the course of the last six or eight months?
1: One of the things that I was profound to me and really, you know, raised the flag that let me knew know that these would be good partners was how invested they were in understanding the business and understanding from where we've come and what our challenges are and what we've learned along the way and what we think we know and what we think we know that we're really not sure about. And it was weeks and months of those conversations initially that has given them a foundation and a and a baseline to be really up to speed in a way that allows them to, to confidently provide very meaningful insight and feedback that I look for that is important to me and to the team that were that were that were able to have really constructive conversations that get to the best solution. And they push back in all of the ways I've wanted, I've wanted them to push back with their experience in multi-unit retail, in scaling organizations, in understanding real estate expansion. They fly out with me to see sites in person. We drive around counting cars in front of these sites. We look at the demographic data together. We look at the surveys together. We understand kind of together how people experience GiveTown in Charlotte, how they will experience GiveTown in these other cities. and. I mean that's the kind of relationship that's what I wanted to have that's what we need right this is a better business because of the people who are involved and having them give active input they're based on their experience and their you know their skills and abilities makes us all better and makes us be able to deliver a better service to the market um it's been it's been incredibly positive as an experience and they're very, and they're very involved. Um, we, I talked, I talk to each board member, um, every other week. So we get to have like a one-on-one deep dive. We convene as a board once a month, if not more on random, on different topics, sometimes specifically related to month end close, sometimes on more specific to- to- topics around expansion and you know design and layout plans and and org structure and um they've been very helpful in candidate recruitment we've been recruiting some senior level top tier individuals and they've been really valuable in providing feedback and input there so yeah i guess my takeaway of this is you know if you can get yourself a good board right, you know the capital is important and you need to make sure the ship continues to run but you can get yourself a good supportive board that is going to be there for you. And it's going to help answer hard questions. It's going to like be in the trenches with you. There's, there's nothing better than that. And in my mind, that's what it, that's what it takes to build a successful company. And at least that's what, what we have in front of us to be able to go and do what we're trying to do.
0: That's awesome. So where's the next city?
1: So we have, uh, we have three cities on the docket, Atlanta, Houston, and Denver. Those will launch next year. And then we're, um, we have some other cities that are, are close to being signed. And we hope to have at least four locations launched next year with the goal to have more than 50 locations signed in the next five years. We have a lot to do.
0: That's awesome. Um, so 50 locations by 2028. Is that right? Yes. So that's phenomenal. So um, will they be similar in size, scope, different? Um, how much have you learned from um, Charlotte that you'll take and expand or contract upon with with new locations?
1: Yeah. So s- same, same offering. So the, the we really doubled down on the ecosystem for dogs and people, the community that we've created. So, um you know all the same services, plus some. The layouts will be uh, similar in that there is you know a, a very robust oasis like outdoor component with turf. There is an indoor bar experience that feels outside. I mean, the, the you know every you learn things every time you do something, right? So we have quite a full book of learnings that we are excited to uh, deploy kind of in these other in these other markets. And, and you know, some tests as well, because when you go into different markets, Denver and Houston have very different climates, right? And how you create a space and an experience that caters to the different, the, the different weather scenarios in those cities, you know, is 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 significant. Um, and so we're we, you know, we're 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 constantly on that. We have a, a really great team around us um of architects and project managers and designers that are helping us think through, you know materials and finishes and, and ways to keep the space fresh and clean and the aesthetic that's on brand. Um, but also easy to, easy to clean and, and, and keep and maintain, which is, which is a difficult thing. We, we always kind of go into our first, you know, architecture and and design meeting with, okay, so every finish has to be able to be peed on and that has to be okay for that material. And I'm telling you, like, it's like a (laughs) really a big focus of a lot of the meetings is like, okay, well, can this get peed on? And if the answer is no, or if it oxidizes or rusts or corrodes, it's not going to work. So, you know, we learned a lot about, about materials to use and finishes to use and and are building it into kind of our playbook of, of how we, how we design and outfit these buildings. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're eager and excited to be able to launch this experience you know, across the country very, very shortly. And, um, and we've got the right team and people around us to do it. And um, I cannot wait to see what impact we're able to have on dogs and people, you know, outside of, outside of Charlotte, where it all started and see how far we can take this.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. So you mentioned earlier, and I've been thinking about it ever since you talked about the irrigation system that y'all have to have, right? Um, have you thought about trying to negotiate a trip to Augusta to look at how they irrigate their greens and, and, um, um, and leverage that into how y'all irrigate your systems?
1: Not a bad idea. I see where you're going.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: it's funny because the turf system itself is very specific to canine use. So we've learned a lot about turf. So there's turf for greens, there's turf for sporting, um, facilities and then there there's canine turf which is specifically um, drainable and porous. And then the system underneath that turf is really complex. There's a four inch layer of aggregate. Um, and under that, there's the cleaning and cooling systems. And we run this pet friendly um, cleaner enzyme through it that allows us to like, it, it kind of decomposes the, the urine and the fecal matter to keep it smelling good. And, and I don't know if you've ever been and I'm sure a lot of people have when you when you walk into a dog park, that is not properly drained or irrigated and it's like a hot day and they put turf on like concrete and it's just this like stink hole. There's a lot of wrong ways to do dog focused spaces. And so we have made it our kind of our mission to be the subject matter experts in how you design spaces that cater to dogs and to people.
0: Yeah. And you've done a phenomenal job. I mean, again, um, being up there, you know, to your point, you don't, um, you don't notice it. Um, it's, it's clean, it's pleasant. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal space that y'all have designed and executed upon. And I'm sure, you know, with the, even with the different locations of Houston and, um, and Denver, um, mm-hmm. you continue to, to do a phenomenal job on you, um, kind of, as we round out, as we start to head home here, um, on the podcast, you've done this over the course of the last 15 months, um, being a mom, um, mm-hmm. right. So, you know, that's not, again, talk about changes since our last podcast. Um, what's it like being a mom and a, you know, the CEO of, of a fast growing startup that just raised $28 million. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm telling you, there's never a dull moment in our in our house. We uh, we kind of thrive on having a lot going on um, and we've gotten really good at that, um, my husband and I. And Renny, our daughter has um, brought a new dimension to life that I did not know was possible. She's helped me be a better person. She's helped me be a better time manager. The things that I can accomplish now in 15, 20 minutes, you know, in between meetings or tasks or changing a diaper, is is really impressive. I will say, <laughs> um, the learning curve there is real, and I feel like other parents can relate to that. Um, you know, don't, it's,
0: don't you wish you had that skill set to time? Where manage. did it
1: live? I mean, yeah. I thought I was, re- I thought I was good, and man, I didn't even hold a candle to what yeah. I, we only have one kid. Um, <laughs> no, it's been great, and I think we've we've. You know, one having a having a very supportive partner, husband is ev- is everything. Because I was in Houston last week, and he covered, and he travels for his work, and then I cover, and it's just this organizational kind of exercise and conversation, and and we both really respect um, each other's careers, um, and and that, and and we just do what it takes to make it work, and you know, we're able to be flexible where needed, so honestly, it's, it's, that part's been, been going great. I would say that, um, you know, it's hard. You, you, you realize that you, parts of your life that become like, for us, it was like the after dinner, right before going to sleep, like showtime, like where we would sit and hang out and like watch TV show, or we would read a book or whatever it was that went away. So it was like, it's it, the whole day is nonstop, you know? we wake up at six, Renny wakes up at seven, you know, we're doing the morning routine. She goes to school. I'll, we do work. I'll pick her up, you know, early evening. We play with her. We do dinner time with her. She gets bath time. She goes to bed by seven. You know, we have dinner, we get back online and do work. We're in bed by 10. Like that's the day. I don't know. Like that's so you know, sometimes we get downtime, which is nice, and it's nice to yeah. sleep. That's been the that's been the game changer, I think, is that
0: we uh we still get good sleep. Yeah, the hard thing is as they get older, you don't get that seven o'clock bedtime anymore, right? It creeps no, to I seven know. thirty and eight. And it's like, dang <laughs> it, I got to go to bed at eleven now.
1: <laughs> we'll deal with that when it comes. Right now, we're 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 locked into you know seven
0: o'clock works
1: seven to seven routine. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: works. That's awesome. So. Um, the other thing that's changed since we last talked is, I mean, so I think you were Charlotte Angel Fund one as well as Charlotte Angel Fund two, right, Maggie? Yes. Um, so probably one of the first local companies funded from Charlotte Angel Fund one and, um, and Charlotte Angel Fund two. So, um, don't take this the wrong way that, um, makes you a senior member Mm -hmm. of the startup community um, a young senior member, we'll call you that. How's that? Um, an
1: an elder member of the community. (laughs) Um,
0: You said it, not me.
1: Okay. I'll, I own it. I, I love it. I embrace that.
0: So, um, so you've been from, you know, you've gone from being the new kid on the block to, um, as you put it an elder member of the community. Um, how do you, how's that, um, how's that impacted you? Right. I mean, so you got to have, you know, talk about time management. I would assume founders reach out to you on a consistent basis, asking you for thoughts, suggestions, advice. Like, right. how do you how do you handle that? How do you embrace it? Um, and um,
1: yeah, that's a and, it's a good question. I I love it. I love seeing how far the um, the entrepreneur ecosystem has come in Charlotte. There's a band of us that started early on together um and are still kind of are, are moving our way through and it's it's fun to go now to the networking events and to and to support kind of the, the local entrepreneurial focused groups and meetups and see how many more aspiring entrepreneurs there are, how many more opportunities, how many more funds have come in, the, the shift the mindset shift on on investment risk and, and the profiles of, of companies that are getting funding that I feel like was different and maybe a little bit more lacking when I was first starting. Um, it's one of the ways now that I feel that I can give back the most and it's just everything going on is I dedicate time to having conversations, meaningful conversations with younger founders who are you know, working their way through either their first fundraiser trying to figure out product market fit or building a team. I just had coffee with one yesterday and I'm having a conversation with one today. And you know, those early conversations were that were really impactful for me. You know, somebody explaining to me how to, you know, helping me understand how to make a better pitch deck and helping me understand the expectations for going into a, you know, an investor meeting, um, potential investor meeting. And and, and that all made a huge difference for me. And I want to be able to give, I want to be able to give that back. I think it's important that any success we have, we like turn around and we pull the next person up and it is very encouraging and very hopeful to see and hopefully how many people have have you know maybe even an easier time of it because of some path you help forge and i really think that's the goal in everything is to like make it easier for the next person coming up and be that role model that helps make helps make the community better and helps um you know Helps give people more opportunities and chances to be able to bring something big into the world.
0: Yeah. So um, I don't. You probably know this, but when you pitched the Charlotte Angel Fund years ago, um, so I've been going to meetings since 2015 and was a member in one and two and three. Um, but um, the early days of the Charlotte Angel Fund, the founders didn't have. I don't want to say this was absolutely true but it was almost a requirement that it had annual recurring revenue of x dollars right like i almost want to say it was a million dollars and if it didn't have it it was kind of a "Mm, that's going to be a tough putt for the group and that's not reflective of greg it was just reflective of the risk that the ecosystem was willing to take and you kind of kind of came in and, and broke that mold and allowed it to to kind of go past that now you know that group makes early stage investments that it wouldn't have made, you know, eight years ago. And it's phenomenal. Um, and so you're right. It's, it's great to see the, the capital unlocking in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. So one last question for you, then I'll let you go. Um, you mentioned earlier, the business started, was it the Waco company? Is that what it originally was?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so sometimes it's helpful to look back in order to look forward um, do you ever look back on the original design of the company, and like wonder, like why that, um, um, why that didn't work, or um, why that was the catalyst that propelled you forward? Like, how much do you look back on that original intent design and say, "Man, that was so beneficial to have started there," or "Man, I wish that would have worked." Right? Like, how do you use the past to propel you forward?
2: everything that
1: got us to where we are today was because of a mistake we made or something we learned along the way right like we are here where we are because of doing something that probably didn't work as well or not or wasn't received as well as we wanted and then we shifted i mean that's the whole that's the whole game is to be constantly refocusing and reassessing without losing sight of what you're here for. And for us, we started as a dog walking company. I was the first dog walker. We had no tech. We took a loan out, a personal loan, to go build an MVP of an app that could support dog walking. And I tell founders all the time, don't do that. It worked <laughs> out for us. But I mean, I sometimes can't believe that we did that. You know. <laughs> um what at the end of the day we are we were doing then and we still are doing now was and is selling trust like that's that's what we're doing we did it as a dog walking company with no tech initially and me as one dog walker riding a scooter around and we're doing it today there were 120 employees running five service lines catering to I have over 40,000 people. It's, it was different iterations on a theme, but that theme was always about selling trust to dogs and to people. And we've stayed true to that from day one. Although the way we've done it has clearly changed. And I think you can hold those two things equally to not lose sight of a broader vision and what you are delivering to the market. For us, it's trust. And then being open and encouraging yourself to change your mind on how you do it. And for us, that was—it's always been the balance.
0: So, no, well, you built, um, built an awesome company. Um, you have an awesome team to support you. You have um, great capital to fund the the operations and the expansion and everything else and it's been awesome to watch you grow as an entrepreneur and watch you grow as a company over the course of the last five to seven years so um keep up the great work thanks for being such a great representative of the community um as well as for charlotte so thanks so much as always Meggie really really appreciate it
1: absolutely thanks for having me here
2: a registered investment advisor. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.